Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. If I ask, who's been your closest friend in your life before you say Jesus, who would that be? And to the young people here today, I, I raised uh, three teenagers, or we raised three teenagers, and they always had a bestie. And they would put their bestie on social media, and six months later, there'd be another bestie. How many of you know what I'm talking about, okay? So, uh, people come and go. The people that are here today may not be there tomorrow. And, you know, Billy Graham said at the end of your life, if you have five friends that stuck with you throughout your life, count yourself blessed. So be thankful for your friends. But I want to talk about the greatest friend any person can have. I want to talk about Jesus, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah. And I believe God's going to encourage you. God's going to lift you up there in Cape Town. And God is going to walk you through this December into all that God has planned for you in 2023. So Proverbs 80.24, the Bible says, There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now we all have relatives, right? And uh, we're glad if some of them come to visit. And honestly, not so happy if the in-laws come. Okay, I didn't say that. All right. They say your family you can't choose. And that's true in Christianity as well, okay? But your friends, you can. And uh, that's the amazing thing about Jesus Christ. He's not only your Lord and Savior, He's also your friend. Think about that this morning. Because sometimes when people go through difficult times in life, they very often feel that God has abandoned them and God has forsaken them. And I want to show you from the Bible this morning how much Jesus loves you. And as Christians, we should never forget that He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's not the friend that loves up to a point. He's not the friend that will cancel you. He's not the friend that's going to go find a better friend. Amen. He's not a friend that's going to replace you on social media with another bestie. You are His bestie. Okay. Besties for life. Write it down. Okay. So He believes in you like no other. And He calls you His friend. I understand He's Lord and Saviour. But I think religion have so misrepresented who Jesus is. That's why in the evening now, tonight I'm going to talk about Jesus' friend of sinners because He's been portrayed as this angry, judgmental God that is always just looking for a fault in our lives. And I'll tell you, as I said last Sunday, the only way to get rid of your blemishes and your spots is through the love of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the Bible says He will present to Himself a church without spot and wrinkles. So let's talk about this friend this morning. The friend that sticks closer than a brother. The friend that in times of need will be there. Always the same. The friend that will not gossip behind your back. Amen. Come on, girls, you know what that is like. Uh, 
you, you got your best friends, the next time they see you, you, you see you like something the cat brought in. Uh, when we understand who Jesus is, we will begin to reflect His image in the world, which is love and acceptance to every human being that comes into this world. So in John chapter 15, Jesus talks from verse 13 and He says, Greater love has no man than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And, and by the way, the commandment of Jesus is twofold. To love God with all your heart, soul and mind and to love your neighbour as yourself. It's not talking about the Ten Commandments yeah, okay? He's talking about love. Love God, love your neighbour. The person that's not like you. The person you don't like. The girl that's prettier than you. He says, listen to this, amazing. No longer do I call you servants. And you get rid of the slave mentality when we serve God, as if we are serving for God's approval. We have God's approval. We are accepted in the beloved. We are loved because of Jesus Christ this morning. So Jesus talks to His disciples because they, in the Old uh, uh, Testament, the law produced a slave mindset. And in Romans chapter 8, the Bible says, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. You're a servant. You're a son. Remember that uh, prodigal son when he left his father's house and he squandered his livelihood and he lived with the pigs and he lived with the prostitutes and he wasted his life away. He said to himself, I'll go to my father's house because the servants in my father's house are better off than me. And he said, I'm going to say to my father, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. And yes, the great compassion of God and the love that God has for you this morning. The father was ready, waiting for his son to come home every day. He returned as a slave, but his father received him as a son. His father embraced him. His father loved him. His father put sandals on his feet. Oh, come on, a ring on his finger and a robe of righteousness. His father was not deterred by the stench and the stain of sin that this young boy had done. The father was there to love him. And this is what Jesus is illustrating, saying, you are no longer my servants. Although we serve God, I get it. A friend is somebody very special. You know, you can have relatives and they're not your friends, right? My brother was not only my brother, but my closest friend as well. So here he comes and it's very personal what he says. He says, I don't call you a servant for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I've made known to you. And by the way, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. Come on, say to the person next to you, you are a friend of God this morning. Say it, come on. Yes, He's your Lord and your Saviour, but He's that friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the one who will never leave you, never forsake you. He's the friend who will stick with you through it all. I mean, we've all, all had people write this off, okay? Jesus says, I ain't writing you off. 
As a matter of fact, you study the Bible. When Simon ran away from Jesus, he ran after him. And we're going to talk about that tonight because God's love will bring you back into submission. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Not the judgment of God, the loving kindness, the tender mercy. God loving you into submission like any husband should his wife. He's a friend who will stick with you through every trial, test and tribulation. He's a friend and get this, who is there for you. And this should give, give us courage. Not only is He with us, He's for us. And He walks us through the valleys, the trials, the tribulations. He's a friend who understands you better than anybody else. He's a friend who understands your thoughts, your intellect, your reasoning. He's a friend who understands the answer even before you ask the question. He's a friend that loves you unconditionally at all times. Now we're not used to that because we all grew up in homes where your father said, if you get 90%, I'll buy you a watch. And uh, one of the businessmen that got saved recently uh, said, my whole life I had to almost earn my father's respect. Now as a multi-billionaire and he still has that work, work, work mentality. I'm not good enough. I want to tell you this morning, you are good enough because of His love that validates you. You are qualified because His love qualifies you. You are accepted because His love has accepted you 2,000 years ago. Come on there in Cape Town. It's good news. Shout Amen in Jesus' Name. He's a friend who believes in you. He's a friend who is never willing to give up on you. He's a friend that will pick you up out of the gutter. He's the one who will leave the 99 to go look for you. He's a friend who has your back. I mean, that's not a, a normal thing, right? People say, I love you. And they hug you and you never see what's in their hands. He's a friend who's able to save you, able to heal you, able to deliver you. He's a friend who knows how to comfort you. You know, as a pastor, one of the most difficult things we face with is when people go through trials and tribulations. And I believe in miracles. I believe in absolutely everything. But sometimes we just don't have the answers. And I've learned the only thing you can do is to be there and to weep with that person and to sometimes just say, I don't know, but I know God is faithful and I know God is not going to fail you. And I know that God is going to fix this. And I know that, that, that God is going to lift you up. And I know that God is going to restore you. Because sometimes you feel helpless when you stand with people and you see the pain and the suffering and the tragedy and the loss that people go through, the things people wrestle with in life. And I wish it was so easy as some people want to make it, that one prophecy will fix everything. But life is more complicated than that. We are emotional beings put together by God. We have our thoughts. We have our identity. We have things that we wrestle with all the time. And God knows that. And God is there. And God says, it is okay. Not that you settle in a bad place, but it's okay. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to love you through whatever you are facing. He's going to love you back onto your feet. He's going to love you back to wholeness. He's going to love you back to freedom because He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Come on, give the Lord a praise today if you believe it in Jesus' name. 
RC, hear me clearly, and I'm going to be on a mission with this preaching the gospel. We have to demonstrate the unconditional love and acceptance of God to our world like never before. Because our world is in crisis mode with the hope, with the help of those architectures who are trying to reset this world by bringing confusion to the minds of our young people and to our world. Everything that was stable 10 years ago is now unstable. People are unsure, insecure about the future economically. Many things happening. But we need to understand He's a Saviour in these difficult times. He's a healer in your troubled times. Come on, He's a peace giver in your turbulent times. He is there every step. Oh, oh, come on, give Him a praise today. Everybody in this place, come on. Jesus friend that sticks closer than a brother. And uh, I'll take it to the Scripture now, that the experiences people have with us should reflect how Jesus would treat them, right? I mean the poor, the lost, the broken, the confused. Because when Jesus came into this world, He did not come with a rule book. A rule book did not work. The law pointed to the need that man needs a Saviour. That man cannot be saved by laws, rules and regulations. You need something much more. So the law points to a person whose name is Jesus, who comes with love, acceptance, understanding every individual. Our school systems are designed to categorize us, to tell you you're good at this, you're bad at that. Life rewards certain aspects. So people get lost in this journey. They begin to doubt themselves. And they begin to wander away from the person who knows them intimately. So what I've learned as a pastor, when people go through these difficult times, push them to Jesus. I said, push them to Jesus. If Jesus fixed you, Jesus can fix them. If Jesus fixed me, Jesus can fix them. You have to push them to Jesus who understands them. So Hebrews 4 verse 14, the Bible says, Now we know that we have Jesus. Say, I have Jesus. This great high priest with ready access to God. Let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest, listen now, who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through the weaknesses, the testing. He's experienced it all. All but sin. He never gave in. So let's walk right up to Him. To who? Let's walk right up to who? Okay, a third of you are responding. Let's walk right up to So let's right, walk right up to Him and get what He is ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. 
It's like religion says, get yourself right, then God's going to accept you. God says, come in your broken state. Come in your messed up state because you cannot save yourself. All your efforts, all your attempts are not going to change yourself. And the more you try to change yourself, the less you will be able to change yourself. Okay, how do I know? Because I grew up religiously. I grew up in church. I went to Sunday school. I quoted the Bible. I tried to fix myself. And then as a group of friends, we said, okay, every time you swear, you punch the other guy. You give him a lami. Kijk na half uur. Kan jy nie een van jou skurs optel. Jy kan nie jou bier verder drink nie. Dan is die game ook voorbij. Reg? How many times did I say, I'm going to change myself. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix that. Here's the reality. The more you try to fix something, the more you will mess up what you are trying to fix. Because you are not the fixer. You are the person in need of fixing. You need to get yourself into the presence of Jesus Christ and you just have to come and have an honest conversation with Him. Honest. Lord, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. This is what I feel. This is what I think. Please don't tell your friend because it's going to become everybody else's uh, story tomorrow. That's why we don't do the confession box, right? In the home cell. Um, We have a high priest, the Bible says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, that if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, because Jesus is not about to go gossip about you. Jesus is not about to go tell somebody else, have you heard? I never knew Jill, or not Jill, sorry. I never knew Jane, whoever there is, there's a Jane, I know he has a Jill. I, uh, and there might be a Jane here this morning, 10 to 1. I never knew that she was struggling with this and this and this and this and this and this. So what am I saying is, he says, If you're going through something in life, you have access to Jesus. And He's a Jesus that doesn't judge and condemn you. He's a Jesus that loves you. A Jesus who is the antidote for your sin. A Jesus who is the fixer of your broken heart. A Jesus who alone can settle your heart and establish you in righteousness. The Bible says what the law could not do God did by sending His Son. And with the birth of Jesus Christ, what comes? Grace and truth. Because the law brings remembrance of sin. Now, is sin acceptable? Sin is not acceptable because it will destroy your soul. But does sin keep you from God? No. Because if sin kept you from God, then Jesus would not have been able to come into a sinful world. Because the premise is, that if the unclean touches the clean, the unclean will become clean. So you can never sanctify yourself. You can never purify yourself. You can never change yourself. You have to honestly come into the presence of Jesus and allow Him to fix you and to fix your problems and to fix your trouble. And when you have a conversation with Him, you will not have to duck. As a matter of fact, Everybody that he dealt with in the Bible, he always said, lift up your eyes. I'm the glory and the lifter of your head. I'm the one who removes your shame because shame will cause you to repeat your sin again and again and again. Condemnation will produce a vicious cycle of self-destructive behavior through a sinful lifestyle. That's why the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So what do you need? You need 
to be secure in your relationship with Jesus that you know, no matter what, you can come to Him. You can talk to Him because He's a friend like no other. When you're broken, you can say, Lord, I'm broken. When you, when, 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 when you, uh, you experience a curveball in life, when it seems like your world is falling apart, when it seems things are happening that you have no control over, you have a safe place, you have a refuge, you have somebody that you can run to. Come on, He's a keeper in a time of trouble. Come on, He's the calmer in a time of storm. Come on, He's a healer in a time of sickness in Jesus Christ. So we have to push people into the presence of Jesus. You know, my kids, we raise them in the ways of God, obviously, they all serve the Lord. And uh, initially, I tried this because everybody said um, families that pray together, stay together, etc. I learned later on, pray less and play more. I know it will shock some of you religiously, but I played with my kids. I played, 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 played. Ek het hulle moe gespeel. Kijk jy so, denk hulle slaap nog 16, as ek terug van die gym gooi, ek leid die bed uit, water op hulle op die strand, speel hulle van die ochend toe die aand, dan snork hulle in die aand, morgen ochend die selde. Ek het hulle gespeel, gespeel, gerol. Uh, I played my kids to have a relationship with Jesus Christ because I learned that in early time I saw one of my friends who was a pastor he had the serious way of raising his kids which was and I saw how his kids started rebelling that the more he forced them to read the Bible the more they rebel because when the law comes the Bible says sin revives and I die so I also tried that so you're the uh, uh, families eat together, so okay, in my busy schedule, my time to eat together. Book of fat tight now, nee, family Bible, daar kom hy uit, nou lees ek. Nou as er hy drie blonde kinderkies in my so experience, excuse me for the Afrikaans, there they sit around the table, I'm now going to disciple them because your family is your first disciples. Now read the Bible. I see they pay no attention. I don't have an anointing to be a children's pastor. Okay, that I, I figured out long ago. But then I read the Bible, I say, okay, what did I just read? What is Jesus saying to you? <laughs> I mean, until they were like teenagers, I did this. It's like, okay, it's not going to work. I have to demonstrate this thing. I have to model this thing. I have to show them this thing. So they would see when we are playing on the beach, I would see somebody and I would go witness to the person. Or if I stopped at a robot, I would always bless somebody because children catch. who you are. I'm not saying they can't go through a, a rebellious phase because two of my three went. You can guess. Chanel is my female version. And obviously David goes without saying. Angelique was most perfect. And just how it is. Never a day trouble with her. The other two... But I learned the way to get them to serve God is to experience God for themselves. And more than that, I had to open their eyes to the pain and the need of people around them so that they didn't always think it's about me. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. 
So I, they heard me talk and they saw what I did. And they heard the conversation was always about other people and helping other people, especially poor people, coming back and talking about what God did with great excitement. And they picked up on that because inherently as human beings, children as well are selfish and self-centered. And the greatest gift you can give your child is give that child exposure to the pain of others. Because when they see the suffering and the pain of others, they will stop thinking about themselves only. Free tip on parenting. I would have this conversation every year. And at the end of the year, we will say to our kids, or maybe a few times, okay, what should I change? What should mommy change? What should daddy change? My word, the list just went on and on and on and on. Then I said, okay, what are you happy about? It's like when you counsel people in marriage, okay? Um, you say to them, okay, write down what you don't like and I'll scrape I throw for all. The man scrape net ender. The fro scrape. Okay, okay, what do you like about one another? Now it's like, uh, because you, you, you've lost what it's all about. I'm saying that to say, we miss what this Jesus walk is all about. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. It's not having to serve Him and earn marks with Him and earn favor with Him. We have favor with Him. He loves us. He's accepted us. He cares about us. I mean, if God loves you when you were the worst sinner, think how God loves you this morning. Come on there in Bloemfontein. Cape Town, here in Pretoria, He loves you, He loves you, He loves you, He loves you, He loves you. And you better get yourself into the presence of Jesus and have every conversation you possibly can. Everything you are struggling with and wrestling with, go talk to Jesus. I promise you, He's real and He's going to sort you out. He's going to fix you out. He's going to erase the doubt and He's going to heal the pain. He's going to remove the confusion because He is my brother and my sister, the fixer of all mankind's problems. And His Gospel is a revelation of that, which is good news. A revelation, a declaration of God's love and abounding mercy. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, for time's sake, I read the Passion Translation only. He says, we all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God is faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, the nature and the timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust Him more for that child, for that husband, for that relative. You don't give up. You go talk to Jesus. You go take that child. You go take that person. You place them in the presence of Jesus Christ. He's your Saviour. Listen, He's your Saviour. Maybe we should talk less to other people and we should talk more more to our friends. Amen. Say Amen. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. So as your friend, He's with you in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, fourth man. And sometimes we want to get out of the fire. He says, I'm going to sustain you 
in the fire. But your day is coming where you're going to get out and the smell of smoke will not be upon your body. I'm going to bring you out victoriously in Jesus' name. I'm going to be the friend that shuts the lion's mouth in the name of Jesus. I'm going to be the friend, your good shepherd, that walks you through the valley of the shadow of death. I am the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Somebody shout amen in Jesus' name. So when life throws you an unexpected curveball, when you face sickness or disease, Every week we have to hear a report because we passed the tens and tens of thousands of people, somebody that had a bad diagnosis from a doctor. An unexpected tragedy or crisis. Something happens that that young family never planned for. And my son and daughter, was, they tried to hijack them. God did a great miracle for them with machine guns and all. I'm not saying it's so you're all afraid now. But after our year-end function, Bucky pulled them off and two of them jumped out, one with a machine gun this side and one with a machine gun that side with the two girls in the car. And David just said, I'm not climbing out of the car. The guy says, climb out of the car. I mean, it's 12 o'clock at night on the N1. Lekker for die metro politie, wat allemaal stop net om updated fines te doen. Waar sê laas die mens heel nodig het? Today when I go to Johannesburg, there'll be 20 cars that pull people off to get fines because it's easy money. We have a lot of police here. Please do your job. Tell them. Yeah. Why is there 20 cars that stop you to pay your outstanding fines? But when robbers run around with machine guns, you're not there. Any case, long story short, God protected them supernaturally. And uh, David said, my daughters are in the car. I will not leave them. So the guy looks, the other guy looks. He says, it's a family. We can't take them. And they leave them and God saves them. Amen. Yeah. So uh, Chanel was a bit rattled one day. Then she's fine. And David, I said, my boy, it is what it is. It is what it is. If we're all going to run away now, there's no hope. It is what it is. We focus on God's protection and God's goodness. Not, ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. So we also go through things, by the way. All right. <laughs> so you may find yourself in a difficult situation like David did on Wednesday night. And God was there. God protected him. Protected his two girls. You may be wrestling within yourself. Jesus is there to help you, to sustain you, to deliver you. You may be struggling with self-doubt, low self-esteem. Because sometimes the words of people are terrible and mean and hurtful. You need to begin to hear what Jesus says about you for healing and for recovery to take place in your life. Maybe you're facing financially di- financial difficulties. He knows about it. He wants to help you. Maybe you face a crisis in your marriage. Maybe you're unsure about what the future holds. You may feel hopeless today. Listen, I know some of us still may wear masks and I have no problem with that. But I mean, all of us, 
when you come to Jesus, take the mask off. No pretense. Amen. You can pretend to your mom and dad. You can pretend to everybody else. But listen, I promise you when you come to Jesus, be yourself. Be yourself. Say, Lord, this is me. I, I don't know what, I don't understand, I don't feel, I don't think, I don't see. But here I am. And talk your heart to God and watch how this amazing Saviour, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, will come. And first He will come and comfort you. Like when Lazarus, his friend died, only time in the Bible, the Bible says Jesus wept. Because Lazarus was like His best friend, except for John the Beloved disciple Lazarus was a friend so when he heard Lazarus died the Bible says Jesus wept yes he has emotions yes he cares and then four days later and we know why he comes and first he comforts Martha and Mary the sisters and you also see how they both had a different relationship the one had a much more loving understanding relationship of who Jesus was the other one was more a work-based relationship if I do this, Jesus will be happy with me. The other one is just, I'm just going to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ, Mary. Mary is just enjoying while Martha is distracted by everything. And it's Martha that says to Jesus, if you were here, my brother would not have died. So the first thing Jesus did was have a conversation with the two girls and He comforts them, settles them. And then He says, Lazarus come forth and He raises him. And the disciples were in the middle of the storm. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus, the Bible says, walked to them. And before He even calmed the storm, He comforted them because they were filled with fear and uncertainty. See, my brother and my sister, fear is a terrible thing. Fear will rob you of your faith. Fear will rob you of your hope. And fear is not always what we think it is. It is being anxious about something. It's worrying about something all the time. That means you've not put it in the hands of God. You've not let it go. And the Bible says we have to cast all our cares upon Jesus. That means we're not going to talk about it again and again and again and again. That means we're not going to take it out of His hands if we prayed about it. And we are going to go talk to our friends and our relatives and everybody else about it. We are going to let it go. And every time that burden comes back, we put it back in the Master's hands. Some of you are wanting things to change in your life. The first thing that has to happen, you need to allow God to comfort you in your current affliction, in your crisis moment now. You need God's comforting presence because the Bible calls Him the God of all comfort. It calls Him the God of all mercies. And the first thing that God will do is He will come to you in the midst of your storm, whatever the cause of the storm is. He'll come to you in the midst of the storm and He will say to you, Peace, it is I, be not afraid, things are going to be okay. And that's enough to settle you and to keep your boat afloat in the midst of a storm. Although in the natural, things haven't changed and you still think about things. The first thing you have to do is put it in the Master's hands. Give it all to Jesus, your friend that sticks closer than a brother. To Martha, Jesus said, you are distracted, you're perplexed, you worry about many things, but one thing is needed. And that is what Mary sought. What was that? 
to get yourself into the presence of Jesus because that's where you no matter the turbulence, the storm, the anxiety, the uncertainty, no matter, once He has settled you, according to John 16, 33, these things I've spoken, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. Different for each one of us. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I ask you this morning to put everything in the hands of of Jesus, every worry, every concern that you have today and that you will take the help that we read about this morning, that you will go to that throne of grace and present yourself as you are. God loves you, TV viewer. Um, as you are. And just say, Lord, here I am with arms open wide and you stand naked in your heart. I mean, you lay your heart bare before Him and you experience that love and acceptance and the grace of God which will change you, change your heart, change your behaviour, change your passion, change your nature and will settle you into what He has planned for you in Jesus' Name. We're going to stand this morning and we're going to worship and we are going to present ourselves to God and whatever you are troubled by, whatever you are perplexed by, whatever um, you are anxious about this morning, you are in the right place at the right time. You go put it in the hands of Jesus. Amen. And you leave it at the feet of Jesus once and for all. And if people want to talk to you about that, you say, no, no, no. It's in the hands of Jesus. Amen. That doesn't mean you don't do your part. You go work and you still go do, uh, fulfill your responsibility. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you have to operate from the place of being secure in your relationship with Jesus Christ as your closest ally, your closest friend. And you should never allow anybody to come between that relationship you and Jesus. Amen. Will you lift your hands with me this morning? Let me pray for you. Then I have to uh, literally move to Johannesburg uh, for a service that I've started already. Father, we bring every care, every concern, every worry to you this morning. You are God and you are God alone. You are the God of all comfort and the God of all mercy. Father, you understand every thought. You know every trial, every tribulation. Everything that is causing people to be anxious and you yourself Jesus said be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding will flood your hearts and souls I ask this for each one of my brothers and my sisters here this morning that as we cast every care as we roll every burden upon you whatever it is the deepest concern the deepest hurts that you stretch forth your hand this morning by the power of the wonderful Holy Spirit and you settle the hearts of your people and you bring comfort, strength, grace, courage in Jesus' Name. We take every mask off and we open our hearts to you now, Jesus, and we look full into your wonderful face.
No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know the will of his master. But I've called you friends for all things that I've received from the Father. I will reveal to you, meaning you have a future. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I chose you. You never chose God. He chose you. Allow God to love you this morning. And put every care, every worry, every guilt, every shame, every uncertainty. Put it in the hands of Jesus this morning as we sing this song. Come on family, as we just remain in a place of worship this morning. There's a wonderful presence all over this building. And God is speaking to so many hearts this morning. That every eye be pleased, closed and every head bowed. As believers are praying in this place. As our pastor was preaching this morning, something happened in the inside of your heart. You're standing or sitting maybe somewhere. And for a moment, the presence of God is all over you. We want to say to you that God loves you. There is no sin that you can commit that will separate you from the love of God. That loves you more than you can ever imagine. Many of you have been facing battles by yourself, not even knowing that God wants to be your best friend, that He wants to walk with you, that He wants to guide you and lead you be your Lord and your Saviour, but your friend as well. And many of you are standing in this place that if anything had to happen to you, you're not even sure if you had to open your eyes that you'll enter into eternity with Him. But you're unsure. But this morning, this whole service is meant and built for this moment. So in a moment, I'm gonna ask you, as every head is bowed and every eye closed, believers praying, if that is you and you say, God, I have to come back. I've never served you. But I'm coming this morning and I'm responding to the love that you're pouring out on my heart all over me. If that is you quietly, in a moment we're going to ask you just to lift your hand so that we can pray with you. But there's many of you standing here that you've drifted away. Things have taken you away from God. And God is calling you back this morning. As Pastor spoke about the prodigal son, that He's asking you to run to Him this morning because He's waiting with open arms. And if that is you, if in any two of those categories, or the third one, you would love to make sure if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, quickly, I just want you to lift up your hand and say, please pray with me. Come on, as hands are being lifted on the flank. Come on, on the balcony, quietly, wherever you are. Just slip it up high and say, please pray for me. Come on, as hands are being lifted up at the bottom. Come on, I see hands all over this building being lifted. Come on, do not wait. Come on, God is calling you. Come on, God loves you more than you can ever imagine. And if that is you, come on, God is speaking. There's uneasiness. It feels like the whole congregation is looking at you at this moment. But don't let the devil steal this moment, but you respond. Come on, in every church that are watching, if that is you, just lift up your hand now in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you lift it up, you can put it down. If you have not, Come on, it's your turn. You lift it. Come on, his hands being lifted all over this place. Family, we just want to say to every single one of you that are standing in the front of the altar, if you fully understand the love of God, you'll know that that love is being poured upon our pastors. And that is exactly their heart for you. That everything that our pastors do, the way that we conduct the services, that everything that's attached to this, is to have this moment and encounter that you can have. 
that encounter with God. And they love you dearly. And as a family, we love you. In a moment, we're going to come and lead you in a prayer. And that prayer is going to change your life forever. But we ask you that after you've prayed that prayer, that you allow us and become part of the family. If you accept us, we will walk with you. We will guide you and help you in this journey. Because many of you have been walking by yourself. But today, every single one of this building and everyone that's attached to this vision are now your family. And they love you dearly. They'll do whatever they can to help and guide you. But in a moment, we're going to pray together. We're going to ask Jesus to come into our hearts. And then after that, we're going to take you into a room where we're going to pray for you, get all the information that we can from you, that you allow us to. And we're going to use it to phone you this week, to pray for you, to invite you to one of our home cells that we can care for you and love you. So can you be so kind in the front just to put your hand on your heart and just close your eyes as I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just pray it out loud. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Lord, I thank you that you died on the cross for all my sins. Lord, I believe that you rose again and that you live forevermore. I thank you, Father, that from today, I am your child. I am forgiven and I am new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, family. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.